0: Hello, everybody. I'm Dr. Laura, and I'm delighted to be here with you today to do an episode with Dr. Tracy Brower on the secrets to happiness at work. How did I meet Dr. Tracy Brower? Well, I facilitated a panel for the Hacking HR Conference on navigating the most critical trends shaping the future of the workforce, a topic that's near and dear to my heart But who should end up on this panel other than Tracy Brower? During this lively panel conversation uh, that we had, we realized we had a lot in common. Her coming from the angle of a sociologist looking at workplace and career, and me coming from the angle of psychology, but realizing we had things in common, of course, and then some different ways of looking at things. And she told me about her latest book, The Secrets to Happiness at Work, which I obviously got my hands on and we will talk about today. And Tracy wears many hats like I do. Uh, so she's a thought leader, an author, a speaker. She is VP of Workplace Insights at... Steelcase, you know, a significant organization. Tracy holds not one but two masters. One is in management of organizational culture. Her second master's is in corporate real estate And then on top of that, she went on to do her PhD in sociology, a self-proclaimed nerd. (laughs) Someone, as you can see from all her books, loves to read, loves to to learn, and loves to give back to the community. And she's written for some really amazing outlets like Fast Company and Forbes, and uh, has written two books. The other book is Bring Work to Life by Bringing Life to Work. So this is her second book. Welcome to Where Work Meets Life, Tracy.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to be with you, Laura. And I loved meeting you and getting to know you. You're right. We have so many intersecting interests. So looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too.
0: So tell us about what led you as a sociologist and with the other hats you wear to really look at happiness at work.
1: Yeah, you know, the thing that led me here is the lack of happiness that I was seeing. It seemed like there were a lot of people who were just really struggling and not feeling like work was making them satisfied or making them joyful or creating the conditions for happiness. And I was looking at sort of the role of work and how it's such an important part of our lives. And so those are the things that made me start to really research more, investigate more, and get curious about work and life and the way happiness is important to both of those. Interesting. So when you were seeing and hearing about a lot
0: of unhappiness at work, what were people using to describe that? Because unhappiness can come in different ways. So what types of... Words were you hearing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. People would people would talk about energy, like, oh, I feel de-energized, or they would talk about motivation. Oh, I just don't feel like I have the motivation I used to have. They would talk about disconnects with colleagues. Oh, I just I just don't love my colleagues, or I'm just not loving my leader right now. Sometimes they would talk about um, that their voice didn't count enough. Sometimes they would talk about not feeling like they were being tapped as much as they could be in terms of their skills and talents and capabilities. So to your point, that discontent came out in a number of different ways.
0: Interesting. Yeah, and I see the same same sorts of themes, um, unfulfilled, unhappy, frustrated, stressed, etc. Which is why I think this book has come out at a really important time in the world as we've been coming off the pandemic and dealing with the great reevaluation, the great resignation. So the secrets to happiness at work. Tell us about this recently published book and why did you write it?
1: Yeah, I wrote it to empower us and to inspire us. Uh, I think a lot of times we think that we have to wait for the conditions to be just right for happiness to happen, you know, And, and when things are right outside of us, then we shall be happy. But really, there is so much that we can influence in our environment, there's so much that we can influence in terms of our thinking, in terms of our relationships, in terms of the choices that we make. And so that was a really big impetus was how do we reset? How do we um, re-energize? How do we empower ourselves toward creating the conditions for happiness on our own?
0: I-, I love that. And I think what you've done here, and it's interesting about this book, it's it's very easy to digest. And it's full of beautiful visuals. So within it, there's color visuals throughout. So you don't usually see, you know, a a book like this these days. So what led you to produce such beautiful images within your book.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that was the publisher. They had such a vision for um, how we could demonstrate joy. And the thing that I loved as we were selecting images and talking about the vision for how it would come together is there's all different kinds of work and all different kinds of workers, not just white collar, not just blue collar, not just pink collar. There's just a really great variety because um, I deeply, deeply believe that all all work has dignity and work is part of how we express our skills and our capabilities, no matter what we're doing. So that's one of the things I really like about the images is at a um, really subtle level, they remind us all of those ways that we contribute to our community matter for other people and for us. Awesome. And I actually read it
0: on my flight home. We went to Mexico a couple of months ago, just after Christmas, and I read it on the, the flight. And literally, it was a book that you could read in in a flight. I mean, it's not super cumbersome. It's, it's very easy to get through. And it's very, you know, joyful and interesting and, and not too heavy. It, so that's what you intended, I'm guessing?
1: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's so great. It's funny. I've said that too. It's like an airplane book, right? You can read it on a flight. The publisher likes to say it's sort of like a TED talk in book form. It's short, it's accessible, it's concise, but still has, you know, the ideas and the insights and the research, I think, that really brings substance.
0: Yeah, it definitely is research and evidence-based, but not too heavy, very practical, very, you know, bite-sized nuggets in how you can go about choosing purpose, choosing relationships, growth, success, etc. at work, in whatever work you do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great... I love to hear reactions, so it's really fun.
0: Yeah, no, I like reading things that are, you know, just... Not too heavy, where you feel like, am I ever going to get through this this book? (laughs) Right. Chapters like its own marathon. um, Whereas your book is just like a little sprint. Maybe that's why I like the game of squash. I can run anywhere, but it's close by. I can sprint to
1: that end of the court. Exactly. Or some of the books you read and you think, oh, I really know I need to read this, but it's a little like eating your vegetables, right? It's not like eating dessert, it's like eating vegetables.
0: Yours is like a a really nice dessert, like cream puffs, drizzled in chocolate, light, you know, but not fluffy, like really good quality cream. The French cream.
1: Excellent. I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) You're making me hungry. What was your biggest learning
0: or surprise from writing this book?
1: I think my biggest surprise actually was the incredible amount of research on happiness, you know, like one of the things that we hear is, oh, happiness is fluffy. And, you know, any, any good business leader will say, yeah, but let's talk about something that really matters. And there is incredible, incredible amount of research on happiness, on joy, on the extent to which happiness drives um, and significantly influences physical health, mental health, cognitive capability, um, and so many other elements of our life in terms of spillover. And business benefits, right? When people are happier, they tend to um, be uh, better at achieving their goals. They tend to be better at performing. They tend to be more likely to stick with their organization. They tend to be um, actually more energized toward their colleagues. So there are lots of really great business benefits. And that was one of the things that was really surprising to me was just the depth and breadth of research on this topic. And that's a good thing, right? Because we can make a business case for organizations, but we can also make the clear case for ourselves that this is really worth the investment.
0: Absolutely. And what, what do the skeptics tend to say? So when you've been interviewed on this topic, et cetera, what do the skeptics say when it comes to happiness at work?
1: Oh, that's a good one. We could we could talk for a long time about that question. I think that they say that work isn't a place where we can be happy, um, and that uh, if we're not happy today, it's because work isn't a venue where we can accomplish happiness anyway. Um, And the truth is that work can absolutely be a source of joy and happiness. And we can create the conditions for that, um, as we talked about. And so I think skeptics say, you know, let's separate work and life. And let's make sure that all the happiness occurs outside of the boundaries of work. And then, you know, we have to go to the salt mine and we have to do the hard things, and we'll just minimize that as much as possible. And um, and in reality, we really can think about a full life that includes work as a source for fulfillment and meaning and happiness and all of that kind of thing.
0: I agree. I think it's a way of the past to think about work it has to be cumbersome and unhappy and you find your joy elsewhere. I think that's a very outdated way of thinking.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And Joy, the really interesting thing is there's a spillover effect, right? That's been demonstrated with evidence and research. We all know if you're happy at work, you tend to perceive more happiness outside of work, right? That's sort of a given. But the opposite is also true, that if you're happier outside of work, you love your volunteering, you love your thing that you do with the community, you love your time with your family or your friends, you'll tend to actually perceive greater happiness within work as well. So we can think about expanding the boundaries, work is part of a full life, and we can think about creating happiness in lots of different ways that spill over into the other parts of our life.
0: I love that term spill over. It's such a great way. It's been around forever in our field and in the psychology side anyway, work life spill over and really can't separate the two. And even uh, this whole pandemic has led us to even integrate them more than ever before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the things that people are saying is, oh my gosh, if I can get out of the house again and do work and whatever that looks like for me, that's actually really helpful in terms of boundaries and in terms of reminding me about some of those separations. And there's no right or wrong way to do that separation. My boundary might be more porous, right? I work in the evenings or I get up early and work. Your boundary might be more bright lines between when you're working and when you're Not working. Um, And I think that's one of the things too is for us to find multiple right answers in terms of how we navigate those boundaries for ourselves.
0: Exactly. Not a one size fits all, I like to say. Um, So let's talk about what some practical tips that you have from the book as well as the research that informed the book. Um, How can we create more joy and fulfillment in our work? So, what are your favorite tips?
1: Oh, I have I have five favorites. So whatever we whatever we want to dig into. But one is purpose. Like we know that when we have a greater sense of purpose, we tend to feel happier. And I like to say dream small. Like I think sometimes we think, "Oh, gosh, I should be solving world peace or solving world hunger and if I'm not doing those big things, then that's somehow not enough." But I think purpose is really just about Figuring out what you do well and waking up in the morning and doing that and thinking about how your work affects his work and her work and their work and where that affects the community and people ultimately. And so it's reminding ourselves that we matter. It's reminding ourselves how our work connects with others' work, whatever that work is. And another biggie biggie is connection. We can create the conditions for happiness by absolutely absolutely being intentional about the connections that we make with colleagues, Um, being committed to getting together, to listening, to checking in, um, having a lot of consistency in relationships, like maintaining them and demonstrating reciprocity over time and being curious about people. And just really that's the starting point for empathy. So the connections that we feel are fundamental to our mental well-being and they're fundamental to our happiness. So those are a couple of really practical ways that we can actually just really influence our own work experience.
0: That's wonderful. So what are are your thoughts on this whole notion of um, connecting at work and connecting at the office versus remotely and to what extent the face-to-face time matters for connection.
1: I am very much of the both-and mindset. I think absolutely there's so much meaning that comes through our face-to-face connections, right? We can read nonverbals. We can pick up on other people's levels of energy, that emotional contagion. I don't know if we can use the word contagion anymore, but that that sense of sort of picking up from others, that, um, that data that we collect through all the nuances of our nonverbal language. Um, and so face-to-face is really important, but we can also develop relationships with people, obviously, through technology. And so you talk to people who say, oh my gosh, I feel like I've met a lot of new people through the pandemic Um, because I've been able to connect virtually and we've been able to really leverage technology beyond what we might've been doing before. So I think it's a both and. I absolutely deeply believe that the physical experience of work has a place and that we can be successful as well when we're working remotely and working in a hybrid manner.
0: Totally. And when I even think of my podcast, I used to record in a studio. So Steve and I would record live and then have the occasional guests remotely. And then pandemic came and it was all remote. And I'd say I've met, I've interviewed so many people I've never met face to face. But then after interviewing, I feel like I've known you for a while.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that and that common experience and that common ground is such um, a fundamental for building those relationships. Like I like to say that work is such a place that we make connections because we tend to get to know people over time. Even if we're switching jobs pretty regularly, we still might work with somebody for, you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months. So we get to know people over time. We get to know them through both task and relationship. We're rolling up our sleeves and working on a project and we're chatting with somebody at the coffee machine about their weekend. And we get to see people on highs and lows, right? Kind of the normal ebbs and flows of the days when somebody comes in and they're on top of the world or the days not so much. So I feel like work is a really important way that we build those relationships. So to your point, you ask really good questions and you are listening and you're checking in. And those are the ways that relationships are really built over time.
0: Absolutely. So what advice do you have for the people that believe that work is joyless and that you can't really find work that brings you happiness, that you're just too optimistic
1: Yeah, that's the pushback, right? Those are the, that's the skeptic. Um, I, I think that what we need to do is really kind of take control of our mindset and believe that our work matters and remind ourselves how much our work matters. I think we can absolutely be intentional about the connections that we create. The other thing we can do in terms of, um, Creating the conditions for happiness at work is looking for opportunities to grow, to learn, to stretch. When we're doing things that challenge us, it's extraordinarily correlated with happiness. And so when we find the thing that just doesn't work quite right in what we're doing and we seek to solve that problem or fix it or make it better, or when we raise our hand and say, Oh, I'd love to help with that initiative. Or, gee, I can, I can contribute some ideas on that project. Those growth opportunities are another really, really good way that we can, um, enhance our happiness. And so for the skeptic who says, Ah, my work will never be joyful. There are things that are outside of our control, but there are absolutely things that we can remind us are inside of our control as well. And I think we need to really sort of empower ourselves to influence some of those things.
0: Absolutely. And and a trend that I notice is more money doesn't correlates strongly with more happiness, unless it's enough money that you're having your needs met, of course. You need that baseline, but after a certain amount of money, it doesn't lead to more happiness. Do you, have you explored that very
1: much? Yes, absolutely. There's so much evidence for this and research on it as well. Just like you said, there's a threshold and you need that threshold so you can put food on the table and a roof over your head, absolutely. And we need to be compensated, um, commensurate with the value that we're bringing, right? Like um, compensation is a way that organizations value people and we need to be paid fairly. But money doesn't buy happiness. And beyond a certain point, your happiness won't scale with your paycheck. Uh, Interestingly, there's some research, too, on how you spend your money, And if you spend your money on things, you will actually be less likely to um, develop a sense of happiness as a result. If you spend your money on experiences, you're much more likely to feel happy as a result because they tend to lock into your memory. Uh, Experiences are often things we're doing with other people. Um, And so there's the connection piece of it and the um, community piece of it. And so how we spend our money and whether we need money um, are absolutely important in that uh, happiness discussion. I heard a great analogy one time back to our food analogies. There's a great analogy that your paycheck is like a really, really great dinner. Like you go out for dinner on a Friday night and you leave the restaurant. You're like, oh, it was so good. I never need to eat again. That was the most delicious dinner ever. But, you know, by Saturday afternoon, you're ready for lunch. And a paycheck is like that, right? Like it's gonna, it's gonna reach that threshold, but it's not necessarily going to amp you to a point of fulfillment, happiness, true joy. That comes from people and things like uh, the things that we've been talking about, as well as things like gratitude and performance.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, well put. So in this world that's full of challenge, uncertainty, polarization, um, whether in in your country, in the U.S., we know there's a lot of that, there's a lot of violence. Um, How can we, how can cultivating happiness at work help human beings stay resilient and even hopeful during these like ongoing
1: difficult times? Yeah, there's so much difficulty right now. The thing that I think is so important is that the number one way that we learn is through watching other people, listening to other people, experiencing other people. So each of us have a greater influence than we might even realize. So when we bring our best, we're not going to be happy all the time. It's not always bonbons and butterflies. There will be ebbs and flows. But when we bring our best, when we seek to be hopeful, when we seek to be optimistic, um, that actually influences the community really significantly. The other thing that I like to remind myself about is that bonding, um, one of the primary ways that we bond is through going through hard times together. So instead of all the difficulty separating us, we can remind ourselves of our common goals. We can remind ourselves of the things that matter to us. We can remind ourselves of the things that bring us together, Um, and those can be really helpful as well. And I think the other answer to your question is within the question, is when we're happier, we tend to be more resilient. We tend to be able to bounce back, bounce forward. We tend to take learning from difficult situations. And we all know about um, post-traumatic stress disorder And actually, we can think about post-traumatic growth, um, which is actually a thing um, where we go through really, really hard times and we're able to remind ourselves of our own capabilities, of who we can really rely on, of what our real priorities are. So we can use difficult times to pull ourselves out, to influence others and to move forward in a positive way.
0: I think that's really well put. And I think for some of us, not all, but for some of us, the pandemic was a post-traumatic growth opportunity. And we're seeing that um, with all the career transitions going on, I think. And the, hey, do I really want to do this when I grow up at age 40 or whatever age you are? You know, do I want to keep doing this another 25 years? Maybe not.
1: Yes, exactly. It causes us to reevaluate and rethink and gives us a catalyst to say, huh, what might I do differently? How might I think differently about my relationship to my work or my relationship to my people? That's a great point.
0: Hmm. So obviously, looking behind you, there's a lot of books going on. <laughs> um I know that you get out there, you, you speak, you're interviewed, you're involved with all kinds of publications. So this might be a tough question, but what is a one book and one podcast that you would recommend for people looking to continue to cultivate more happiness and joy in their work and careers?
1: Those are great questions. I mean, this is going to, it's going to sound contrived, but I like your podcast. (laughs) I really do. I just, I really love the focus on work meeting life and how those come together and how each is kind of its own um, uh, catalyst for the other, reinforcer of the other. Um, The other thing that I really, really like are books about health and well-being. There's a wonderful new book I just read called uh, Spark, which talks about the research basis for exercise and movement and how it contributes to our happiness, which I just think is brilliant. And there are so many good books on belonging and on friendship. Um, I'm just reading one right now by Robin Dunbar called "Friends." Uh, it came out, I think, 2021, and it's just brilliant. It talks about the importance of connection, the importance of networks, the ways that we uh, really influence our friendships with others. And so, those I think are really, really great um, ways of looking at happiness and evidence-based ideas for how we can build happiness for ourselves.
0: Awesome. And it's so funny you mentioned Spark. That was the other book I had on that Mexico trip, <laughs> yours and his, because he is um, in talks about being on my podcast as well.
1: Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. He is amazing. It's such an amazing read.
0: And he, what, what drew me to him was the fact that a lot of us are struggling with inattention Uh, these days because of the plethora of technologies and phones and social media. And I really wanted to look at how we can regain some focus in our lives. So I reached out because of that and then found out about Spark. And then, you know, that's another path, of course, that he's gone down with the brain and exercise. And it just made me think, Wow, exercise is so much more powerful than we think. It's not just about looking good or feeling good. It's actually about like mental health, right? And well being.
1: Yes, the research is incredible in terms of um, its effects on not just your endorphins and not just your physical health, but your cognitive health and your ability to work through depression and anxiety, the way that it connects us. It's really, really incredible. And there's so much about how your brain really thrives on movement and thrives on actually the stretch. We talked about that. That's so correlated with happiness, stretching, trying something something new. And exercise is one of the ways that we experience that in both our brains and our bodies. So it's a really good point. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We're so in sync. That's so we think alike, right? Sociology, psychology, it's, uh, you know, (laughs) it's all about the human being, right? Individuals and groups, basically. Um. So, if you didn't need to sleep, okay, and you could use that extra time doing whatever else you wanted to do, what what would you do?
1: Oh my gosh, I would. Oh, so many things, right? I would exercise more. I would travel more. I would read more. I would write more. I would have. I would volunteer more. Actually, that's probably the top of the list. I would volunteer more. Um, I do some volunteer work now, but I would do even more of that. So, yeah, I would just fill those hours and uh, have no, I would have no lack of things to do.
0: Of course you, you wouldn't. And what I would do is write more. Writing's the thing I'm not having time to do. So I really greatly admire the ability you had to get the book done. The books, the two books. Um, So, my last question is if you had one wish for a better world when it comes to happiness and joy for humankind, what, what would your wish be specifically?
1: Yeah, I would wish for us to value work more. I would wish that we could reset our um, expectations about work. I think there's an assault on work right now, right? Quiet quitting and the best situation is to do as little as possible. And And I actually feel like When we can embrace the role of work, when we can embrace the role of work to be an opportunity for us to express our gifts and talents, to connect with colleagues, to learn and stretch and grow, to perform and feel like we're expressing our best, um, I think that that would be a really, really good thing. And I think if we could uh, turn off the news a bit and separate ourselves just a bit more from social media, uh, that would probably help us to marinate a little less in the bad news and the comparisons with others, and maybe spend a little bit more time living versus uh, versus looking or scrolling. Living versus looking or
0: fearing, basically. Yes, exactly. Right? The opposite of fear is love, and I, I think that when you said volunteering, I think there's, you know, no better way to um, feel happier yourself than to help other people in need in different ways. Not all of us have to be a social worker, not saying that, but I'm saying giving back to humanity or the planet, animals, whatever it is that, you know, fills your heart, giving back builds joy in, in my mind.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, that's one of the myths of happiness is that if we pursue happiness, that's a good idea. Actually, pursuing happiness for its own sake is negatively correlated with joy because First of all, it focuses us on what we don't have. I don't have enough. Therefore, I'm pursuing something else. And it tends to focus us on ourselves. And it's much more um, likely that we will accomplish happiness and joy when we're focused on others, when we're tuned into others, when we're giving, when we're demonstrating generosity, when we're volunteering our time, when we're tuning into the community and how we can contribute to it. So totally agree. It's a really, really great way to feel more joyful when we're giving joy to others.
0: And one of my favorite quotes in your book is, comparison is the thief of joy. And that's exactly it. Stop comparing yourself to others. There'll always be people with more, with less, um, and just help others. Don't compare.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Be your best self and support others in doing the same. It's a great point. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Tracy, for being here
0: today, uh, for sharing your book with our listeners, and for having a great conversation on a topic that I think a lot of people need to hear and and think about. So we appreciate it.
1: Oh, I appreciate it too. I love your questions and I love our discussion. It's really, really inspiring. So thanks for the opportunity. Excellent. Well, stay well until we meet in person
0: one day. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Where Work Meets Life. If you enjoyed this content, please rate and review the podcast, as that helps me get it out to more people. Visit my website at drlaura.live and sign up for my monthly e-newsletter full of tips and resources. Please engage with us on social media and check out the podcast summary for links to my psychology practices. Canada Career Counseling, Calgary Career Counseling, and Synthesis Psychology. Stay well.